You see a guy here on the bridge? Take bumps on the furniture. 
And then about 1959, Vince McMahon Sr. started running his TV in Chicago along with the promoter Fred Kohler. And the TV came out of Bridgeport, Connecticut. And it was two hours, and it was on at midnight on Saturday night until two in the morning. And my God, I could, there was Johnny Valentine, there was Betty Rogers, there was Bearcat Wright, there was the Kangaroos. I mean, all these people, the Graham brothers, and uh, God, it was, it was different than I'd seen it in like 54 at Marigold. And uh, now it was on TV and I, I could see these guys really up close. And I was just amazed that this is what I wanted to do. But still, I didn't know how to do it. So, I became 15 years of age, and my mother, the sole hotel she was the manager of, was an apartment hotel. And so I, he lived in the hotel where the rest was? No, no. He was down the street. Oh, my God. But the hotel my mother managed was 103 apartments. It was just a neighborhood hotel. They call them pounders now, but they sure. couldn't check it out. He had to live there. Sure. So he sold the hotel, and my aunt was living with us, and she had cancer. So we went to Indianapolis to live with her, so she had an operation, and my mom got back on her feet. And I was 15, and I was in the uh, eighth grade. I had been kept back twice. I guess my attendance wasn't real good. I used to like to go downtown <laughs> on, the, on the bus and uh, go to Marshall Fields and uh, go up to the sports department section to sleep in the tents rather than go to school. <laughs> School, I just couldn't get, I couldn't understand what I had to know about the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> I couldn't understand what I had to know about a guy named Magellan. I wanted to see wrestling. So, uh, we moved to Indianapolis, and my aunt had cancer, and she died about a year later. We had no money, and so I just started working uh, job to job, and I, I never finished the uh, eighth grade. I had a seventh grade education. And so I just started working different jobs. I worked as an usher at a theater. I worked at a hardware store. I worked at a spring company. I worked at a Ford motor dealership as a car jockey. Uh, that's how I got the call for wrestling. And uh, I was a milkman. I worked at a department store. I did everything. But I got a job at the Coliseum, Indianapolis Coliseum. As just a stagehand, setting up the shows, the circus, you set up for the hockey, and set up for the concerts, and chairs, and stages, and that was it, buck and a quarter an hour, or something like that. And there was wrestling in Indianapolis at the time, and uh, the promoter's name was Balk Estes. And he had a show on, and the stars he had there were Cowboy Bob Ellis, and Dick the Bruiser, and Wilbur Snyder, and the Shire Brothers, who was Roy Shires and Ray Stevens. And uh, Ray was one person I looked up to. I finally got to manage him and wrestle him, and we became the best of friends. And uh, because he could take bumps. And he flew around that ring and had blonde hair, and he was exciting. And the Sheik, the original Sheik from Detroit, uh, became my first friend in the business, really. He really took care of me. So I got a job at the Armory on Tuesday nights selling Cokes. And after a couple months, I got to work my way around, and I got to know the guy who was putting out the wrestling magazine. His name was Russ Leonard. It was called Big Time Wrestling. And uh, so I'd sit out front of the Army at 6 o'clock in the evening. After I'd, I'd take my mom to the hospital to see my aunt, and I'd walk and hitchhike over to the Army at 7-11 pen, 
until about 7 o'clock. Then I'd go around back and stand and I'd help the wrestlers with their bags and pick up a half a buck here and there. Then I sold Cokes until 8.30 was match time. Then I would take my Coke tray and hide it behind the door and I'd go downstairs and put a sweater on and said championship wrestling. Uh-huh. And I'd walk the wrestlers to the ring in the second. Then during the match, I'd run back, take my sweater off, go sell Cokes. After the match, I'd walk the guy back, bring the next guy up for five bucks. And then I'd go out back and watch Sheik's car he gave me five bucks for watching that. So, and all that money, I had a $52 a month mortgage. So all I had to do was make 52 a month. And I thought I was home free. You know, I just, How old were you about that? 15. Oh, 15. So, so, then I started uh, setting the ring up at the Coliseum and uh, carrying the jackets and uh, working uh, as a second around the ring when I was 17. Then I was going to some of the spot shows around Indianapolis and I was carrying jacket, anything to be around the business. And uh, one day, I was working at the Ford Agency in 1965, January 10th, and I got a call from uh, Dick the Bruiser, and uh, he told me to be at Channel 4 Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock for interviews. He said, I'll see you there, Bobby, and he hung up. Well, my name's not Bobby, it's Ray. So I thought he dialed the wrong guy. So I called him back, and he said, no, be there at 1 o'clock Tuesday. So I didn't know what the hell this meant. So I went down there, and there was a tag team there called the Assassins. They wore masks. One guy's a little guy named Joe Tommaso, and the bigger guy named Guy Mitchell, who'd been around uh, wrestling for a couple of years, and uh, kind of a middle-of-the-card guy then. So he put me as their manager. And they had another manager before me named Captain Willie, but he was an idiot, and they got rid of him. So he put me as their manager. I remember the first day I went there, Joe wasn't there. So they used a mannequin and put a mask on it and a trench coat over it and put it behind me, and Joe and Guy Mitchell and I stood there, and Guy did the interview because I didn't talk. They didn't tell me, they told me not to say anything because I didn't know what to say or how to talk. I'm standing with a mask guy, two masks, one mask guy and two masks and a mannequin. And I'm on my lunch hour. So what in the hell am I getting into? So he said, 6 o'clock, be at the Holiday Inn on Highway 31, we're going to Louisville that night. In those days, you just didn't, you met someplace. Everybody would jump in a car and ride together, and they paid two cents a mile transportation to the guy that drove. So I get there at 6 o'clock. I went home and told my mother how excited I was. And I packed a bag, and I had, I didn't know what to bring even. So I put the shower shoes in, and I had a, a soap dish, I had a towel, I, didn't, I had a shirt, I didn't know what to have. So as we're driving to the, I met Dick the Bruiser and Wilbur Snyder at the Holiday Inn, and Guy Mitchell and I got in the car, and we're driving to Louisville, and uh, Bruiser in, in the front, him and Snyder are talking, and they're talking in this language I didn't understand, which was Carney. But I didn't know about it, and they're talking about this and that, and I, I don't know, I'm in a car with these guys, and I'm counting cows. I'm, uh, I'm 20 years old now. I'm driving to Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know for what. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to manage them, but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. But I've been around and seen my managers do, but I didn't know what they wanted me to do. So as we get there, the way they broke me in is Bruiser took this mask and he threw it to me in the back seat. He said, put this on. He says, uh, we don't hurt each other. So we make it look like we do. And if you tell anybody what's going on, I'll break both your legs and your arms and your back, and when you get better, we'll break them. <laughs> I said, 
okay? Fine. <laughs> so I get in the dress room, I got the mask on. All these guys are coming by, I'm introducing myself. I know all, they don't know who I am, because they used to see me carrying jackets the other, yeah. a week ago. <laughs> now I'm in the dress room sitting there naked with them with a mask on. <laughs> so, we went to the ring, had a match with Moose Cholak and Wilbur Snyder. Moose was a big man, about 350 pounds. Uh, wore a lumberjack shirt, Levi's, uh, engineer boots, uh, sleeves cut out of the shirt, about 350, 375, about 6'5". But he was the most dangerous human being. He would hurt you during instructions. He would just move his hand and slap you in the mouth, just clumsy. And, he, and, and when he first started, Vince McMahon Sr. gave him this moose idea. Well, he had a moose head made. A huge moose head named Alexander. And inside the moose head was a football helmet and like wooden horses for shoulders to, to support the thing out with antlers. So I guess the first time Moose got into the ring in Baltimore, Maryland with it, he stepped over the top rope and weighs a couple hundred pounds now. It's a moose. And he stands in the middle of the ring and he folds his arms across his chest and he looks at his opponent. And as he does that, he loses his balance. <laughs> and, and you know how you start to go back and you wave your arm yeah. to grab yourself? Instead of just putting your foot back. Yeah. Here's a 370-pound man standing with a moose on his head, slowly going over backwards. And he's yelling on the way down. Oh! And he goes all the way down. Just boom. Broke the antlers. Well, he quit wearing that moose head for a while. <laughs> But he wore every now and then for like holidays and stuff. But this night he didn't have the moose on. So, Bruiser tells me to jump up on the apron when all four are in the ring, and they'll bring you into the ring, and the moose will take the mask off you. So, okay. So I jump up on the ring. I know, I know what wrestlers are making. I'm thinking in my mind, I could be making $10,000 tonight. Gotta be. Moose brings me into the ring, and he grabs the top of the mask and rips it off. Well, no one ever taught me how to wear a mask, and I had a tie in about nine knots. Now, here I am at 20 years of age. I'm about 150 pounds. I'm six feet tall. And who's catching me by one arm and a mask hanging me? And I don't know how to get the mask off. So he finally reached in and just broke the strings and then unmasked me. My God, well, I didn't realize you don't have to tie. You just put the strings up in there. I jumped out of the ring. Some woman comes up to me, this hillbilly woman from Louisville, Kentucky. By the way, that's where the toothbrush was invented in Kentucky. <laughs> Any place else has been called the teeth brush. <laughs> this woman comes up to me and puts a cigar on my neck. The cops get her. I get back to the dress room. Now I've almost strangled myself. I've got a burn on my neck. <laughs> 